So I know technically Valentine's Day is over, but I am one of those people who likes to show love at all times of the year. And the way to my heart specifically is through coffee, coffee and dogs. That's just my whole vibe. Honestly, it's very millennial core of me, but like it's fine. So today, actually, um, I went to Joanne Fabrics and they have these really cute mugs that are just like cottagecore lesbian vibes and I freaking love it. It's like a little frog with a mushroom. But honestly, my favorite one was like the bee because it's yellow. And anyway, if someone, Brandon, got me a mug, that specific mug with a bag of Life Boost coffee, I would be like, be mine forever. That sounds kind of creepy I'd just be like oh my gosh hug me xoxo like those like hearts that say things you know anyway I digress life boost it's my favorite place to get coffee from this morning I made a caramel macchiato um out of their caramel macchiato beans (laughs) and it was amazing it was so delicious and after the weather being what it is it just it made me feel so warm and cozy and just I loved it. I love coffee. So if you also feel the same way, maybe not as weird as I do, um, go to lifeboost.com, lifeboostcoffee.com, and get yourself 30% off with our code, UnmaskedPod. That is U-N-M-A-S-K-E-D, pod, to save yourself 30% on your first order. In a world of ordinary, it's time to unmask the extraordinary with Unmasked the Podcast. With host Brandon Zimmerman. Welcome to Unmask the Podcast. I feel like everybody knows me. Just about everything about me. Eye candy of the night, 100%. <laughs> Sarah Zimmerman. I want to be on the back end of RTV and just like, kick, 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 kick. I saw Amanda Nunez and I'm pretty sure I fell in love with her. I want to just be her. It's time to unmask your true potential. Hey guys, Sarah here. I know you're used to Brandon saying, what's up? Welcome to the He doesn't sound like that. I'm sorry. <laughs> it's going to happen, I swear. But I wanted to do a proper intro to our next guest. Since we were so hyped to have him on, we kind of just jumped in an interview. Brandon and I have the great pleasure of sitting down with Dr. Rob Bell, a noted sports psychologist, coach, author, and speaker on mental toughness. He was kind enough to talk to us about just that being mentally tough and what that means and looks like. His podcast, appropriately titled The Mental Toughness Podcast with Dr. Rob Bell, highlights professional athletes to CEO executives who all talk about how they use mental toughness to excel in their fields. Dr. Bell is also an author of eight different books on mental toughness with his latest called I Can't Wait to Be Patient. And your girl should really read this because her patience is thin and Wilbur gets it. His list of credentials goes on and on, including work with three different winners of PGA Tour, tour, Olympic silver medalist, Indy 500 champion, and more. He's a husband, father, dog dad. Oh, did I mention ultra marathoner? This dude does it all. So I guess it goes without saying, it was an absolute pleasure interviewing him. And although I'm not versed on pretty much any sport aside from Muay Thai and Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu, I really came away with the idea of how mental toughness is not just about perseverance, but giving yourself grace in all aspects of your life, not just sports competition. So 
a big thank you to him for chatting with us. And as always, a huge thank you to our producer, John, for connecting us and hosting us all. All right. It's time for me to stop talking and allow you to listen and be inspired too. As always, thank you so much for listening. I hope you enjoy. All right. Welcome to Unmask the Podcast. We are here with Dr. Rob Bell. What's going on, brother? Hey, thanks for having me, man. Hey, thanks for coming on, man. Yes, yep. thank you Sir, so much. Thank you. Yeah, so, we're super excited to talk to you, man. Um, so, uh, John said he knew you out of a Sparta gym. You worked with a lot of uh, fighters and stuff outside of there because you're a sports psychologist. Yeah, that's right. Yep. Cool, cool, cool. So, what what exactly does that entail? Like, what what all do you do as far as helping fighters out through sports psychology? Well, I mean, fighters probably not my forte. I'd say just all athletes. Okay. And I mean, I think like when, I mean, my philosophy is everyone's an athlete or office just different. So like we have an athlete mentality just depending on what kind of office we're going to be in for the day. Um, but like my day to day, man, I mean, I work with athletes, coaches and teams, just helping them perform their best when it matters the most. And then like, what are all those mental characteristics that go into peak performance? Okay, cool. So a lot of your, I say you're a noted author, you've got quite a few books and all built around like mental toughness right. and things like that. Um, mental toughness to me, I mean, I don't know, like it, it's just going to the gym saying I'm going to do this hard thing every day, but I know it's obviously a broader stance than that. Like mm -hmm. what is, what is your stance on? Yeah. So, I mean, it is a good point because I think you have to start like when we're talking about mental health, mental toughness, mental wellness, any, like, yeah, I think you have to define it. You know, or else everyone just has their own idea, right? right it's right, like, right. well, mental toughness is when your parents tell you you have to go mow the lawn and, and you do it. Like, you know, I, maybe, right? I mean, so again, I study this. I geek out on it. I mean, I, I'm a simplest, powerful kind of guy, though. So I, mental toughness is how we deal, handle, and cope with the adversity, the struggles, and the setbacks in life. That's really all it is. How do we deal with it? How do we cope with it? How do we handle with it? So adversity has to be present. If it's not present then it's not really mental toughness that we're looking at. So if you want to look at the other part is, is how well we perform under pressure. Those yeah. have to moments like that is a component of it. And it's not a matter of if it's just a matter of when we're going to encounter it. And I think a couple facets that are important to mental toughness, um, is it's not going to win anybody a championship. You can be the most mentally tough person that there is. It's not going to win you anything, but if you don't have it, it will lose it for you. That sort of becomes the importance of it. Having studied this for years, I know mental toughness. I know what it's not. It's not all or nothing. Okay. And that's a huge part, right? Because I'm an all or nothing guy, right? Yeah. You're either the best or the worst. Yeah. And it's either win or lose. Yeah, <laughs> and, <laughs> and, and that's what sport does, right? Yeah. That's the beauty about sport. Like there is a winner and there is a loser, but there are so many lines in there that, that you have to be able to draw and, and, and siphon out. Um, because that ultimately determines like your mental toughness and getting better at it. The brain's a muscle. The more and more we work at it and we're able to refine it, look at the lessons that we've learned, look at the wins that we've had, the better we get. And, you know, with life, there's no, really no finish line. And so it's, it's this constant, you know, work under progress. Like the road is always under construction when it comes to that. Yeah. I mean, I think I was wondering to, too, along the same line is like mental toughness is not just oh, I feel really mentally tough today versus tomorrow or yesterday when I was not feeling the same way. Like, 
is that kind of what you're working with is like where you are today, meaning that kind of thing? Yeah. I mean, that's, so I always say like, there's a hierarchy of like mental toughness. So if you start at the very bottom, the foundation is the motivation, right? It's going to be, you know, your goals, that will, that perseverance, that persistence, um, you know, the drive that you have, the discipline that you have, that's all under motivation and that's all a huge part, right? Right. But that's most of where, like, when the coaching, when we talk about the mental game, that's most of, like, where it stops. Like, how bad do you want it? Right. But that's motivation. So that's, like, the foundation. The next level gets into the focus piece. I mean, I'm sorry, it gets into confidence. Okay. So it gets into the belief you have in yourself, the trust. Um, and I say confidence is king. We know how important that is because we are confident, right? We're not thinking about anything. We just do, right? We just play. Um, after that next level of, like, the hierarchy is, is focus, so confidence is king in the game of chess. It's how the game is lost. It's not how the game is won. Like when the king dies, the game's over. So that's the way that confidence is. When you lose confidence, it's really tough to get that back. Yeah. But focus is queen. That's how the game is won. We win the game of chess by moving the queen, not by moving the king one spot at a time. So focus is really what becomes even more important than confidence. And then that last mental skill, the, the hierarchy of it is, is how well we can let go of mistakes, right? Mm -hmm. How well can we move on and refocus? That becomes, and I think it's the most difficult one. And so like, if confidence is most important, then why is it not at the top? And the reason why it's not at the top is because if you didn't have any confidence at all, you wouldn't do anything. Right. You know, so right. it has to be there. It's just how much confidence do we have? And that's the way to think about like with mental toughness as well. It's not all or nothing. It's not I have it or I don't. It's how much mental toughness do I have? And it's like when we are naked in front of the gods, you know, where am I in that moment? Am I able to show up as best as I can in that moment? That's that's the part where that mental toughness really takes takes hold. In every situation, it's a little bit different. And with mental toughness, it can look like a bunch of different things for, for different people, but all those skills like that kind of encapsulates what, what mental toughness is. Yeah. 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 Oh, go ahead. <laughs> yeah. The letting go of mistakes thing. I'm like, ah, oh, because <laughs> I was like, man, I don't know how many times I've had conversations with myself in the shower about something I did 10 years ago or said, said wrong oh, yeah. and like. Yeah. And it's the littlest thing too. And I'm like, why am I still talking about this? Why yeah. am I still aggravated about this thing? How do you work with people who, um, you know, and I say this because this is me. Hi. <laughs> um, when you go in and you're like, I have all these confidence, I have this confidence. I know I can do this. I know I can do this. And then you lose and you come back and you're like, well, then what was all that confidence for? Is that kind of where you're thinking of like the setbacks? How do you let go of mistakes kind of thing? Yeah. It's a big part, right? Okay. Yeah. Tell me a little bit more and then I can kind of <laughs> no, delve into it. We didn't I, can hit, I, can hit the, I can hit the clock right now. <laughs> Actually, no. No. <laughs> no, I just think it's interesting because I, I understand like how it's a trying, like a hierarchy, but it also is like almost like one feeds into the other, Absolutely. into the other, into the other. Yeah. yeah. And that's the thing. Like every morning when we wake up, we're at motivation. Like, am I hopping out of bed or am I hitting that snooze? I mean, there's one battle, right? Am I going to go through that daily routine? That's all kind of in the motivation piece. And then what am I getting into, right? What's that passion for the day? What's really driving me? Mm. Um, and then it's like, am I going to make that sales call? You know, and then am I, okay, a couple of those haven't gone well. Am I able to let go of that, refocus? So, I mean, there's, yeah, it all gets intertwined throughout the day. And it's, it's really, it's dynamic. We're never like at one spot, you know? 
Yeah. Do you find that athletes, um, such as like your golfer that you had on versus someone, um, who has to kind of make those rebound like ideas in split seconds, like a fighter, like how do they differ and how do you kind of like coach people through that? Cause I think like I, you know, like I said, listen to the podcast that you have, which is a great podcast, by the way, highly recommend. We'll definitely pop like push it out, put some links to it. Um, it's really interesting to hear cause you don't just have athletes on, right. you have, you know, Angie, uh, hurt who was the, um, I think she's like a CEO or, mm-hmm. um, super amazing lady. Um, I loved when she was like, I think if everyone could go to the super bowl, everyone should try. And I'm like, I'm trying, yeah. <laughs> I'm really yeah, trying, right. but, um, no, she was really interesting, but specifically this golfer, like had kind of a little bit more downtime to his game where he could make a mistake. And then kind of, he talked about how his caddy was kind of there to kind of get him out of that mindset. Whereas a fighter, you get hit and you have to rebound in a split second to mm-hmm. allow you not to, you know, focus on that. Yeah. Are you working with people differently in different ways or is it all kind of tackled the same way? No, great, great point. It's a great question. So like those skills, they're the same throughout. They just manifest different. Okay. So a skill of man having to let go of mistake, whether it's going to be in tennis or golf, a non-contact sport, it's going to be way different than how it is in, in a contact sport. Yeah. Right. But it is ultimately getting back to how you prepare. And I always think like we play, like we train. And is our training, you know, encompassing that, that mental skill of having to refocus? Um, I think with us, like everyone, um, like some of us can be really, really disciplined. Like discipline isn't a problem for me, not a problem at all. And I, I mean, I'll take the Pepsi challenge. Like if you just say like, you need to train for a hundred mile race, like you need to be disciplined about it. Great, man. I'll chart that out and go at it. Um, confidence, you know, Okay. So there's some people that just excel in confidence, right? They just believe. And it's just like, but it's so great. It's so great for you to just have that belief, you know? Yeah. But when you think about like what faith is, right? Like, hey, that's really what it comes back to. And then yeah. you have people that are really able to focus under pressure and everything just hones into what they're trying to do. And then you have some people that are just magically just great at letting go of mistakes, mm-hmm. you know, willing to move with the punch, right? Like Jake LaMotta used to say, like the secrets to move with the punch. I'm horrible at letting go of mistakes. Like that is, that is a skill I need others to coach me up on. But like the, the motivation piece, not a problem. Now that's where I mean, it kind of manifests different with different mm-hmm. people. And then in each sports sense as well. Yeah. They're the same skills. They're just going to pop up and how they show up differently. So yeah. can I ask where all of this started? What is your origin story? Sorry, oh, I totally yeah. stole that from you. <laughs> uh, that's okay. I, I was actually going to find a way to squeeze it in no, there at yeah. some point. <laughs> so what did, I mean, what was, uh, do you call them hinge points? Yeah. Hinge moments. Okay. I was going to say, I was yep. like, I really like that hinge moments, but yeah. we're a comic book nerds. So what is your origin story? So yeah, and it, it wasn't like Batman, but <laughs> again, thank God because yeah. it's rough. <laughs> but it was, um, so I was an athlete growing up. I mean, every kind of sport and, and it's what I always wanted to do. I wanted to be a, a baseball player and, um, just had no idea that, talent that you had to have. So when I went to college, I had like an 84 mile an hour fastball that was, you know, lowest on the team, you know? And I was like, man, like, okay, well heading into college, um, I found out and I kind of took this class called partying and that was in high school. And let me tell you, I mean, I was getting an A in that. Amazing. And any kind of extra credit I was getting. It, you wow. Know? So, I mean, it was, uh, I don't think it was anything really hard, but it was a lot of drinking and a lot of pot. Okay. 
Okay. Yeah. 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 Fair. 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 Got to college and now I can have partying and baseball and no accountability. Like what could possibly go wrong? Period. Flying by the seat of your pants. Gotcha. And uh, I I tell my athletes like nothing good happens after midnight. Like Mm -hmm. live your life any way you want, but you just have to realize that nothing good happens after midnight. And this is after midnight. And I went to a D2 school in West Virginia. And for some reason we were partying that night near this bridge. Mm. And near this bridge was a cliff. And, uh, and I up walking off a 80 foot cliff. So I wasn't pushed. I didn't jump. I just absolutely had no idea where I was. And it was the cause and one of the solutions about why I lived. Right. I think God had a huge factor in that, but the other factor of like being intoxicated, you couldn't brace. And yeah. I, I was conscious during the whole time I'm laying at the bottom of this crevasse. I kind of reach up, my my one arm was broken, but I reach up and I had a gaping head wound. Uh, I was able to wiggle my toes, but I was in a lot of pain. End up having like a fractured back and um, they craned me up out of this crevasse, take me to the hospital where my mom's a nurse. Oldest of nine Catholic family. So very mentally tough. Right. In in, in some regards, yes. (laughs) But no sympathy on me. You're going right back to school. This happens on a Friday. I'm back to school on Monday. Now I'm, I'm in a whole jar of Percocets. Now I'm in a lot of pain, and now I'm that guy. Mm-hmm. Oh, my God, that's the guy right there that fell off that cliff. Can you believe he's still alive? And boom, hinge moment, because then baseball was over. And you're not going to be playing baseball here, Rob. So then it was – so that, that became the biggest hinge moment because um, – you know, there was a lot of emotional pain. There was a lot of like screwing up. The physical pain is part of it, but it's always the emotional pain that's a lot worse. Sure. And being a screw up and then like messing up so bad uh, and being lost at that same time, how do you deal, handle, and cope with that, right? Well, you just go back to the same coping mechanism you had before you fell off the cliff, right? Keep drinking and smoking pot. So like I didn't even learn my lesson then, like on how destructive it was. And, uh, you know, I'm, I'm remiss sometimes like share this, but it was like, um, it takes two by four moments for me in order to get it. You know, I wish, I wish it wasn't right. But I mean, I'm that stubborn guy. And, uh, um, I took a psychology class and then when I took that psych class and I, it, it, it dawned on me that this is what I want to do with the rest of my life. Now I want to work with athletes and teams and coaches still be in the sports realm, but I can help people like perform their best when it matters the most. So then it was, that's, that's where it really connected for me. So way back then. And then I I knew like I wasn't going to do anything different, but the thing was, is I still had these demons, right? It was like, you know, I was able to get by, but, um, it wasn't until I got to grad school and, and Lance Armstrong had a great quote of it. You know, however we kind of think about Lance, he really had a good quote. But his quote was, if you ever get a second chance of life, you got to go all the way. Hmm. And then when I knew I got a second chance by getting into grad school, I wasn't going to blow it. Like I was going to do whatever it took. And that was, you know, I think we have multiple hinge moments, but that was a hinge moment that connected who I was with who I became. And and I, I think like on our worst day, it ends up becoming our best. That's the irony of life. And, uh, and that was one of the worst days and that ended up being the best, but that's, that's how then I knew this is what I want to do with my life. Yeah. Yeah. That's yeah. a, that's a hell of a story. <laughs> You're like almost dead. Okay. Yeah. yeah. I'm wild. So interviewing people through 
I guess not interviewing, helping people, helping athletes. Do you find that there's any common links that you have that they might have, um, whether it's a hinge moment or, um, you know, maybe they are, their families really part of them or are there any like common links between, um, who comes in with more mental toughness or is it all just kind of like humans? (laughs) It is, man. I mean, it's, I I mean, we as humans, right. If we just look at our closet and kind of how messy that is, that's the way I think sometimes our mind is, you know, it's like that's in that box over there. Let's just keep it in the box. We don't need to clean this part. Right. So shut the door. It's fine. (laughs) Sweep it under the sink, (laughs) you know? And and so then why is it that, um, I mean, this is what I know to be a, a one common theme amongst, let's just look at all great athletes. Now, um, great people can make great athletes. Great athletes don't make great people. Mm. And what I mean by that is like, cause I've been a lot of assholes that are really great athletes are great at what they do. They can shoot a basketball, but they're not good people, you yeah. know? So or they can't hold a conversation worth anything. Yeah. You know? So, yeah. I mean, it, it, and all these skills don't necessarily like, you know, transfer over the communication piece just cause you're great at one thing doesn't make you great at another. Um, but then we can get into what, what's the whole purpose of sport to begin with. But what I do know to be a common theme, and I wrote about that one in Puke and Rally, is the best, like some of the best. Now, sometimes I think we use the wrong models of individuals, and I can talk about that. But I think the one common theme amongst any successful person, what I've come across, is that at some point, either through somebody else or their circumstance, they were told, you're not good enough. That's a bad idea. Don't try it. Either their circumstance or somebody else told them that. Usually sometimes somebody close to them, right? A parent, a teacher. And so that became a moment, a hinge moment, that it was fish or cut bait, right? You're either going to believe that circumstance that you live in, that's going to be your future, or you're going to say, no, that's not going to be me. I'm going to go this route. This is, I'm going to be my vision instead of my circumstance. That's what I've come across. Hmm. That's to be the common theme. Everything else can always kind of vary and we can always get into that. But that's the one theme thing that I've seen because, you know, why is it that so many uh, people with dyslexia become millionaires? And it's like 30% of millionaires, you know, have dyslexia. Why is that? Well, because they had a grind, fight and claw ever since they were little and they couldn't tell anybody about it. Right. So they developed that certain skill set and that mental toughness of, of where they were. Um, to help propel them forward. And so, you know, that, I just see it again and again. Um, hmm. I've, I've yet to come across anybody that's been super successful that was not told that. Yeah, the most, like, I think most, especially very good athletes, generally tend to come from, like, bad upbringings or, or, or like, I don't know, you're poor their whole life. So now, like, well, I'm never doing that again. Or, um, you know, I, I've seen those situations. They always tend to work the hardest because they know what it's like to be in the the worst circumstance yep. kind of thing. Yeah. Pain is a huge. Absolutely. Motivator. Yeah. Pain and fear are, are big. They're, they're not as strong as love and vision though. Like you have to have that because eventually that's the part that if you're trying to prove people wrong your whole life, uh, it, it leaves you empty at some point, right? You have to be able to prove yourself right instead of just always trying to prove people. Wrong. Sure. Yeah. That, that was like when I started fighting at first, it was to prove people wrong. Yeah. And then it kind of became just a, prove it to myself yeah. and to, to move forward with that. Cause I really enjoy it now. First it was, I used to be this fat kid growing up and I got made fun of, I wanted to lose weight and 
you know, you know, take that, you know, (laughs) but now it's like, man, I just really enjoy what I do all the time. It's really fun. All my best friends try to beat me up. You know, (laughs) it's, it's a fun life. Yeah. Yeah. And that's that love, right? (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. That's why it's more powerful. Yeah. I think too, is part of the, um, love aspect is also like kind of bringing that in towards yourself because I think a lot of athletes, I'm again, talking from experience, like come into it and think I can't do something. And they're almost proving it to themselves that they can. Um, or like I was talking to you in the car, my whole life I've been told I was really sensitive and doing something tough, you know, kind of shows that I am much more than just someone who's sensitive, which isn't a bad thing. Honestly, I need to lean into my sensitivity a little more, but, (laughs) but also like Angie Hurt had talked about also giving herself grace, which I'm very bad at. And, um, how does that kind of play into stuff and your, you know, talking to athletes about their mental toughness? Like, how do you, how do you balance that? Because to me, grace is such a kind, um, thing. It's not tough. You know, I, I, I guess, I'm glad you defined mental toughness because to me, I'm like, oh, it means you don't have, you don't really worry about adversity. You just kind of just pile through. And here she is talking about giving herself grace and understanding I make mistakes kind of thing. Right. Yeah. I mean, if a couple of, you know, I'm glad you brought that up because I was thinking about that one a lot. And I think grace, sometimes it has to be able to come from other people Mm -hmm. to give us grace in order for us to give ourselves grace. I see grace as being like at the top of the pyramid again, right? Because it's how we let go of mistakes. How am I able to handle that? And then ultimately what's underneath it all is our identity. You know, if our identity is all wrapped up in our performance and how we do, that is a lonely road because we're only as good as our last performance. And that's not true. Like you are your preparation that you put into it. You're the detail that you put into it. That's just part of it. So I see it if like the only thing you've got is that performance. Yeah, you're going to be high on the hog or you're going to be sick as the dog. I've got a lot of the cliches, right? Anybody, <laughs> no, they're great. You're going to be on the mountaintop, <laughs> but you got to come right back down that mountain because then right. it's the next one. Yeah. Well, that is, okay, well, fear is driving you. And then what happens after it, you're, you're still left sort of empty because it didn't fulfill you. Nothing's going to fulfill you if your identity is rooted in that performance. So that's where it's like if... The, if the identity is all performance-driven, then there's not going to be a lot of grace. Mm. There can't be. There's just no room for it. So it has to be into, like, you know, the overall who you are as an individual and how, how is it that you show up. Um, and that's where I think then we're bringing in a lot of the, um, you know, foundational pieces, right, of the spirituality of um, – and whatever it is, I just know, um, look – you, you know, my question I ask my athletes a lot of times is how's that working for you? Hmm. Right. It's a great question. I get asked that one a lot, right? Right. How is that anger working out for you? <laughs> well, it's not so well. So then, you know, where's the grace piece to it? You know, but I, I get back to that first point that I think others have to have grace in us. And then it shows us that it's okay to have grace for ourselves. Um, yeah. I need to give myself grace because I, <laughs> we had a donut on Sunday and I'm like, man, we had four. <laughs> We had so many. We had four donuts on Sunday together between the two of us. And I <laughs> I, I, have, I have a problem sometimes with food on that aspect because I'm like, well, you're going to get fat. Don't do it. <laughs> like one donut's going to kill you. Two donuts. Okay. Not, maybe not all week, but <laughs> that's, a, that's a problem for yeah. me. Yeah, definitely. And, and, and so let's look at that donut, for instance, right? So what happens though is it's not the donut. 
It's our ideas around the donut. Mm. And then what happens though, without the mental toughness piece, without the grace is I might as well have another donut. Well, you screwed up yesterday. Why not just eat the whole cake today? And then that's the part, right? If we could have just said, hey, man, it was a donut. It's no big deal, right? I enjoyed it. It was fine. I don't need one today. See, that's the difference between like a lapse and a, and a collapse and a relapse is how you do after the mistake. Like how are you able to rebound after that one? Not saying, miss the workout, man. Well, there goes your goals. Might as well miss another. No, that happens. Life happens. Yeah. Um, how do you rebound from it? Are you able to show up tomorrow? That becomes the big one. Like I remember, uh, you know, talking with a fighter a long time ago and I was like, uh, asking the coach, I said, how do you know if you've got a mentally tough fighter? And he said, when they get it, when they get the shit kicked out of them and they show up the next day, he says, that's when I know I've got a really tough fighter. So it's not like, Hey, when everything's great, you know, and, and no one's touching them. No, it's it's how they respond to it. That makes me feel a lot better. Because <laughs> I remember like earlier on when I first started fighting and I was in a gym full of people that had been training for five years longer than me and I'm getting shark tanked and I'm like literally having to talk myself, talk to myself in the car on the way there. And I'm like, it's only an hour. They're just going to shark tank you. You're going to get your ass beat for a little bit and you're going to go home. You're going to go to sleep, eat dinner. It's fine. Don't worry about it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And so that's where like working with athletes, you draw on that experience. Remember how you had that fear and you're able to overcome it. Like that's, that's brave. That's being brave. And you just have to be a little bit more brave than you are scared. That's it. Yeah. <laughs> I love that story though, man. Thank you. <laughs> yeah. That was, um, I think I'd been training for about a year and I just, took a fight without telling my coach I was, well i told him i but i but i just accepted it i didn't like now i'm like let me talk to my coaches let me research this guy blah blah, blah. and you know the guy set it up and i was like okay well hey man i'm I'm fighting in two months <laughs> next thing i you know it's all right well you're in the ring for an hour and everybody's trading off on you every minute and this that and the other and i'm like oh god <laughs> it was awful <laughs> now i look at it you know especially because I, i'm 11 years in now you know, so it's, it's, I got a decade on when I started out doing, obviously, and I'm a lot more tuned and it's not nearly as scary. And I'm one of the guys that have been there for a little while longer. So I'm not getting tuned up as much, even though I'm still exhausted and getting beat up eventually. It's not as, not as terrifying. So, <laughs> yeah. Do you, um, I mean, you're not just, um, a mental toughness coach. You are an author. You are a podcaster. Again, podcast is great, but I really love podcasts and I really like getting inspired. And I think everyone you have on is, is so inspiring and it's really interesting to hear everyone's story. How do you kind of coach yourself through stuff like that? I mean, obviously mental toughness is not just for athletes. So how do you as a business person, as an author kind of work through all of those things? Cause I know the outside world can be really harsh. So, you know, maybe it's critiques on the podcast or the books or, you know, how does that kind of work? I've got to rely on other people. Okay. I mean, I can't coach myself. I don't think we were meant to coach ourselves. Cue so. the book. No one gets there alone. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and that was a big part, right? Somebody stopped in a race to help me. And yeah. um, it's a question that needs to be answered before it's even asked. But um, I've got to, um, I, I get back to then what's the identity and what's the strength, mm. right? My strength has never given up. Okay. So that let's just remove that. Then what are you left with now? Well, now you're left with 
You need to just find a way. That's really what it comes back to being able to find a way, figure it out, make an adjustment, keep moving. Um, you know, the last year, like it was a pretty shitty year. Mm. I mean, the, you know, there were a lot of, uh, outside life factors that get in the way. Um, you know, a couple of things with business didn't go as well as, or, or my plan, right. You hear God laughing, <laughs> you know, but ultimately it's just, how do you adjust, how do you adjust and how are you able to get back in and, and show back up? And that's, you know, that's the part I can do that. And let's just start with that. So I think it's just me always getting back to, Hey, what's the baseline? What's the part that you're good at? What's the strengths? Um, cause I think you gotta be, and I know you're creative, right? Yeah. I mean, creativity, if I'm not being creative, then I get feel stifled, you yes. know? So it's like, gotta make sure that I'm, um, doing the daily disciplines that allow my mind to relax and, mm. and get creative. Yeah. Yeah. I, I feel that I just, um, was thinking about something you just said and now it's completely gone because ADHD, <laughs> like I was like, Oh, what? Um, yeah, I, do you find yourself like really inspired by the athletes that you bring around you as well then too? So, um, yes. And, and it's mostly because I feel whole when I'm able to help people hmm. and when I'm able to coach them. Cause that's the thing, like when I'm coaching them and then I get back to, it was like, okay, everything you said was spot on. Are you doing that? Ah, uh, yeah. you know, yeah, yeah. because if you're not coaching, like, and that's the part where if I'm telling somebody like, you know, you just got to stay with it and, and re, you know, refocus, but then I come on back and then look myself in the mirror and dog myself like that doesn't work, you know? So it's being a message of the message and the way that I do that. And that's what gives me so much joy is being able to help somebody is I'm coaching myself up at the same time. Yeah. I, I, and I just remember what it was, how like you loved baseball so much. Mm -hmm. So on one hand, you also had the choice of being like, I'm just going to recover and like try baseball again, but you found something that you really loved. Do you ever have anybody who comes at you and is like, Hey, you know, I loved, I loved doing, you know, that last tournament or whatever, but I actually am going to pivot and do something else. And do you still work with them? Are they still like part of your clientele? That kind of thing. Cause I think there's a difference between quitting and just kind of shifting where you want to be. Yeah. You know? Yeah. When you said, like, you love baseball so much, like, that took me back. I mean, baseball was it, man. I loved it so yeah. much, you know? And there was, uh, even when I kind of, like, look back now, I mean, there's still, like, so much pain that was with it, you know? It was mm. a lot of unresolved stuff because I loved yeah. it, you know? And, yeah. Um, I think there's factors that go into when someone's able to pivot or move. Like, what's the conclusion like? Um, I think that's a big factor, right? Did, are you leaving on your terms or somebody okay. forcing you out? Yeah. Um, there's a little more navigating that needs to happen. Yeah. Um, and then it's getting back to, well, what is underneath everything? What, you know, do you love it? Cause if you do not love it, 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 it's so tough to sustain such a high level. And there are a lot of great athletes that are really great at what they do, but they don't love it. And that's kind of a tough spot to be, you know, there is going to be a finite time that, that they're just going to, Hey, that was just a job. And I didn't love it. Um, I think they're probably able to transition easier, but th the longevity isn't going to be as sustained. Yeah. If that makes sense. Yeah. That makes sense. Yeah, that, you know, that's a lot of fighters that you see them stick in way too long and they're getting knocked out 10 times in a row because they love it too much, but they don't, they can't turn the corner and do right. something different. And that's, yeah, I think it's something we all struggle with 
Uh, but but now uh, you're not doing baseball now. But you've done an Ironman. You've done how many hundred mile races have you done? Uh, I've done one hundred miler. Yeah, a bunch of fifty milers, a lot of fifty k's. Wild. See that the, the running thing is crazy to me because I'm like, punch me in the face, try to choke me, cool. But run a hundred miles, I'm like, <sighs> all you got, all you got to do is just keep moving. Yeah, yeah. You know? I love it. See, and it's so funny because I just I love it so much and. Do you, are you an out? You're in, do you like the outdoors more than the treadmill? Oh, oh yeah, absolutely. Okay. <laughs> no, I can't stand it. I can't either, and I feel it's I. That's when I have to start tapping into my mental. Oh toughness. yeah, jeez. <laughs> I, I think that's I part of my thing it. is the the running is so mundane on a treadmill, and you only get you know you're lucky if you get six months a year you can run in Indiana. Uh, you know, <laughs> I mean it. It really. I mean the surface really has to be bad uh, for me not to run yeah but my i mean the best part of my life is uh being at that trail at 6 a.m mm-hmm. when it's dark by myself and if my chocolate lab's gonna go with oh. me and uh because she loves to run too i mean I'm, okay okay yeah. that's good to know because i don't have a running buddy yeah. and i'm like what dog can we get <laughs> that can go running oh, with me she's she i think she loves it more than i do oh my gosh yeah. oh, that's i love awesome. yeah oh. our our dog at home is a sprinter and she doesn't make it quarter mile and she's exhausted and then mom's carrying her so (laughs) yeah i just for me running helps my brain kind of turn off Mm -hmm. it really kind of allows me to (laughs) sorry john's taking pictures um it allows me to just kind of um shut shut everything off i mean when we hiked the canyon it was the same way where it was like just relax and keep going. Like you don't, you're not, I think one of the things that I was taught early on was just don't think, right? Just stop thinking, stop overthinking it, which is really easy when I'm in physical exertion mode. It's really hard when I'm sitting at home and I definitely think ADHD has a lot to do with it, but it also has a lot to do with my like constant tapes of going over the same reels in my head. Do you deal with a lot of that? Do you find a lot of um, athletes who have that same kind of like mentality where they just keep going over things where maybe they're, you know, a lot more sensitive to people's critiques and they're just starting to bring themselves down? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you know, that gets really in depth in terms of, um, well, I mean, the, the running piece for one, right? I mean, it just settles my mind. I mean, yeah. Um, and you're just... You're just able to breathe. Yep. I never listen to any music or anything like that. Do you that. ever run barefoot on the trails? No, Uh-oh. I haven't. You know, I'm not a barefoot guy. And I've I've come across people that run in like sandals too. Oh, like, interesting. Like yeah. Birkenstocks? Well, I think they or have just like, like a special kind of Okay. Sandal. <laughs> I was like, oh, slow. I feel like those would like flip off or be uncomfortable or something. Oh, That's, man, well, I don't even know how they do that. No. <laughs> I don't either. No, I'm not. I'm not that hardcore. <laughs> That's um, okay. No judgment. <laughs> but it's... um. I think like the best athletes, I think they obsess about it. Okay. Absolutely. Yeah. It just depends like if, it, if it's a good uh, obsession piece and are they able to kind of transition and move on? Because I mean, the obsession, it's good if it's productive, right? It's bad if it's just focused on the wrong thing. Right. Yeah. You know? Yeah. yeah. The, the, the term obsessed, but never satisfied or whatever. Oh, yeah. Sometimes yeah. I think it'd be very problematic. Um, we... Uh, interviewed Erin Hurley. She's a uh, jiu-jitsu black belt. She used to do uh, articles for like a jiu-jitsu um, magazine or something. And she talked to like world champions and they'd be like, she'd be like, hey, well, how do you feel about 
this championship you just won. Like, oh, you know, I feel good about it, but, you know, on to the next and on to the right. next and on to the next. But right. eventually, like, there's not going to be a next one. So what comes after that, you know? Um, and that, I mean, that was why I wrote, you know, I can't wait to be patient. It was absolutely. simply because of that. Yeah. I always felt it was like, you know, the Olympic athletes are coming back from the Olympics. And I've spoken with Olympic athletes. I've won medals, you know? And, um, I mean, bronze is, is better than silver. We knew that, right? <laughs> Did you know okay, that? I didn't actually. Oh, That's yeah. why I'm laughing. But yeah, well, obviously, I mean, obviously, it's gold. But yeah, I mean, bronze athletes is at least you won a medal. Mm. Silver, why didn't you win gold? Mm. Right. I'm so with it, you. You know, so it's like even with that, I mean, how can that be? Like third is better than second. But athletes that come back and they say, you know, is that it? Like I, I thought it feel different. And or it's okay. Now what? Or what's next? So even when you're at the mountaintop, the very best that you are in that moment, like you have to come back down the mountain. Yeah. And then there has to be another mountain that you've got to climb. And so I think we are at the absolute best. I think the peak isn't when we've won or we're at the top of the mountain. I think it's when we're almost there and we can see it there and we know we're going to get it. That becomes the best feeling because it's after... Um, yeah, you got to come back down. It's got to be something else. So then what is it that's filling that piece, right? Yeah. And it's that's why the climb's so important. So when people say this too shall pass, um, it's not. It's rooted as a way to help us deal, handle, and cope, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, this too shall pass. You are going to get past that pain. So you never say that at a birthday party, though, right? Hey, don't worry. This too shall pass. As good <laughs> as you're feeling right now, don't worry. That honeymoon, this too shall pass. But it's true. Yeah. So that's how you know that it is absolutely true is because the bad times cannot last. The bad times cannot last because the good times don't last. Do you find that's easier to kind of like um, show to older athletes because they have lived a little bit longer? I think as I've gotten older, I've learned... Oh, I can't actually do get through a lot of nonsense that yeah. I've already got through as opposed to looking back when I was like 20 and going through, Oh, I don't know if I can get through another day. Everything seemed like the right. most exhausting thing. Yeah, absolutely. Cause I mean, then like what's the experience we're drawing off of mm-hmm. and, and how big's the world view. Right. And, um, you know, with, uh, and that's the, that's the wisdom piece, right? Mm-hmm. Like you only get wisdom through experience. You can be the smartest kid in the world. Right. But you don't have wisdom. You got a lot of intelligence and that's where I think that piece comes into play. Do you find yourself looking at athletes now who you've not talked to, um, and kind of analyzing them or athletes in the past versus ones in the future, like future. Do you, can you look at future athletes? Future. Yeah. <laughs> like for instance, Muhammad Ali, I, he's definitely one of my favorites. Mm-hmm. Um, I often will say I want his confidence because he just, like he was just a walking mouth I mean he was amazing like he just like aired confidence whether he really believed it or not and I truly think he did um I don't think he felt like he had any other choice but do you ever find yourself kind of like analyzing that aspect and what he was going through versus like um someone nowadays like what their differences are yeah I mean it's I I do I mean I, I try to look at like the individual with um and where they are like in that moment, you know, what, I mean, you just look at like my favorite, uh, two of my favorite Muhammad Ali quotes. It's not the mountain that wears you out. It's the pebble in your shoe. Mm. 
And that's, I mean, look, it's not the big stuff, man. It's the little stuff that, that you know, the gnat that keeps bothering you, yeah. right? The the neighbor that, that keeps bothering you. You just can't let that stuff go. I mean, get, it's always the pebble in your shoe. Because if anybody's had a pebble in their shoe about how bad that one hurts, right? Mm-hmm. More so than the climb. And then the other one about Muhammad Ali, and I'll kind of get back to the point, but the other one about Muhammad Ali is like, I don't count my sit-ups. I only count when they start to hurt. You know, so it's only when you start to get that pain does you really like increase the toughness and increase like what you're capable of and right. does the muscle grow. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I look at like, um, so athletes today, it's um, some, I, they, they just, they give you a view about what it is that they want you to see. And I don't know if you've ever seen this, but like no Instagram reels show anybody missing a shot. Right. Like they never miss a shot. Like they're, they're perfect. Well, we, we judge everybody. I mean, so that, that, that's the highlight reel and everyone's highlight reels that are out there. So it's really tough to kind of see, Hey, what's really behind the curtain. I will say Gen Z is getting a lot better at becoming a lot more realistic. Oh, good. Yeah. I've talked to a lot of, I, unfortunately, unfortunately, no, I'm joking. <laughs> <laughs> um, my daughter is one, but she is saying how like, they're all about being just very real. And I think that's interesting because it becomes a lot more of a look at how far I've come as opposed to look at where I am right now. So yeah, hopefully nice. that'll be a little bit of a change. Yeah. Make your job good. a little easier. Yeah. I think well, the, now I'll keep an eye out for that. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think the mental health thing, as far as that goes and people saying, this isn't a filter, this is really me. This is really what's happening. It's becoming more, I mean, it's just, I think it is getting better on the, we're not where we need to be, but it is, it is growing and becoming more apparent. And I think that's, I don't know, yeah. the, the internet's, the internet's are doing its job. So that's one of the things that I love about sport and athletics is that there's no ambiguity. Hmm. Like I don't want ambiguity when it comes to whether a team won or lost, right? Like if it's a split decision, like, and how many times has that just sat with us? Like that, that decision was wrong. Like that's a problem because there shouldn't be any ambiguity, you right. know? And that's the one thing about sport that's, uh, beautiful in my mind, right? Like, Hey, you ran this time, you swam this time, you hit the shot or you didn't. And there's a bunch of factors that go into it, you know, but if it's like that, that's why I love like sports so much is because, you know, it's what you see. And I think, I think that's the part that we love about it the most. Yeah. Yeah. So much ambiguity with life, you know? True. Yeah, absolutely. I kind of interrupted you about Muhammad Ali. I'm so sorry. (laughs) (laughs) No, 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 no. It was great. Yeah. I, I mean, my favorite was, uh, was Arthur Ashe. Like mm-hmm. Arthur Ashe was probably my favorite athlete just because of now you talk about the con he was probably the converse of like a Muhammad Ali, right? Like very, very quiet and was not gonna be outspoken yeah. at all. But the change that he made in human humanitarian efforts outside of his sport as mm-hmm. well. I mean, massive, right? I mean they don't you don't have an you don't have an award named after you if you haven't done some great stuff outside of your sport. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. Can you go into his story a little bit? Cause I don't yeah, think Arthur Ashe? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, tennis, um, I mean, won Wimbledon in 1974, grew up in um, in Richmond, Virginia. So, I mean, just, you know, where he was growing up, only black tennis player that there was, obviously, so encountered a lot of racism, went to UCLA. But, you know, his mental toughness was, you know, at tennis, you have to call your own lines. Hmm. Well, there was no way he was ever going to be able to call a line that was ever close. So he had to make the lines in tennis so, you know, he had to give athletes and his opponents so much more leeway because if he confronted that, um, you know, they were just going to 
raise it up in arms. You know what I mean? He was never going to get that opportunity. So he always had to go, um, I mean, really just above and beyond what any kind of athlete is like expected to do. Hmm. Tennis is interesting because tennis is boxing at 90 feet. You know, <laughs> that's an interesting way to oh, look at yeah, it. Oh yeah, man, it is. And you have a lot of those fights. So it's like, um, and just the stuff that he, um, you know, was able to do, you know, against apartheid out, you know, when he mm-hmm. got done, he used that platform, um, just to better the world. And, um, my favorite author Ash quote was, you know, and this was specific, but you needed to be, uh, physically loose and mentally tight. Mm. I always love that one. So putting the extra effort that he did in and all that stuff probably made him a better athlete and realized how much extra effort and extra work he had to put towards. Oh yeah. Mm -hmm. Interesting. I'll have to read up on him. That's cool. So I think you kind of already hit on this, but. What is your superpower? Oh, yeah. I'm glad you asked that question. So, like, <laughs> on my way here, like, I told my daughter, I said, I could tell him what my superpower is. She's like, are you going to tell him, like, your real superpower? I said, yeah. Oh, dope. What is it? So, my superpower is wherever I show up, um, whenever, like, any kind of place I'm going to show up with, there's going to be a line or possible waiting. Like, the line always, there's always a line that forms behind me. Mm. So, like... 10 seconds later, like there's 10 people right behind me, like in line and it's a superpower. Now it is a confirmation bias Mm because it doesn't happen absolutely every time. Okay. And I know it's not one I can repeat, but yeah, I mean, I go to get the car washed. Hey, there's, there's one car in front of me. Two minutes later, there's 30 cars back there and just gets. So your superpower is trend setting. It sounds like. Maybe. (laughs) I was going to say, we need to go to Disney world and test that theory. (laughs) That's the line starts right there. That it is a superpower. That is a superpower. I know. Yeah. Also, very important question. What's your dog's name? Dormy. Oh. Dormy. D O R M I E, and it's a golf term, and it means uh, you you can't lose. Oh. Aww. Yeah. Yeah. She's a great girl. She My wife makes fun of me because she says you have more pictures of our dog than you do of us. B does too, but I'm fine with that. Honestly, I get it. My our, our one of our dogs is on my lock screen. So. Yeah. I mean, it's okay. But every day I'm running with her, I'm always taking a picture at the end. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. A running selfie. It's necessary. Yeah. Right. <laughs> so you have an amazing array of books. Um, where can any everybody find your books, your podcast, everything? Because yeah. I know people are going to want to flock to all of your stuff. Well, I appreciate that. Um, I mean, my website, drrobbell.com. So just D-R-R-O-B-B-E-L-L. Um, it's usually the best place. All the books are on there. Podcast is on there. Perfect. I cannot recommend it enough. Honestly, I've, um, I've recently switched careers. I've started getting a little bit more mentally tough. I definitely think this last fight was probably the best one that I've rebounded from, um, going into it. And so, yeah, I mean, and your podcast definitely helps listening to other people tell kind of their story and what they do is, is really helpful. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. I was thinking about the role of a coach too. Mm. And it's a coach's job to protect the athletes. It was your coach's job to, to say, no, you're not, you're not going back out because your mindset was, I, I, you're going to go back out. Yeah. Right. And, and what would have happened? Well, you don't know, right. Could have done more damage. Uh, could have, you know, but that's, that's a coach's job is to protect their athletes in those kind of circumstances. Yeah. I appreciate you saying that. Cause She's an amazing coach, and I think she is definitely one of those. I I said, you know, I have this narrative of who I am and what I what I am, and it's not always positive. Yeah. 
So I think people like her and you and B have really like, like I said, hungry caterpillar that narrative away, you know, kind of ate away little bit like by little bit, no matter how much I push back, there's always someone going like you, how is that working for you? Or it sounds like you're really frustrated. Like, what is that? Where is that coming from? Like, yeah. what, can you talk about it? And like really building up that mental toughness. And it's been really interesting. Uh, it's been an interesting journey for sure. Yeah. So I might yeah. borrow that one, that hungry caterpillar. Yeah. <laughs> yeah that's good. good so analogy. Eric Carl book. It's a great book. Okay. So. <laughs> yeah. I think, uh, yeah, definitely being, the right group of people surrounding us has definitely been a big change. We, you know, we were at a different gym at one point and now we've just, I mean, there was good people there too, but we have more of a, I don't want to say family, but more of a support system, I think now. And, and coach Amy is just like being the head of that. I mean, it really shows in everybody that goes to that gym and it's definitely, she's taking this fight way better than she did the last one. And I think that was really cool that just to see the change of, having those people surround you and really pump you up. It's, it's pretty cool. Right. And that's the importance of having others be able to coach us. Oh yeah. yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. If I could coach myself, I would, I wouldn't need anybody else, but I can't, you know, and I don't, I don't think we were meant to, you know, I think that's the beauty about it. I think that's where like the human connection comes into play. Absolutely. Does your family get tired of you coaching them? They don't really let me coach them a lot. You know, I'm like, I, you know, I'm the same thing, right? It's that's like, fair. That's I'm fair. dad. Yeah, no, that's You fair. do know what I do though, honey, for a living, right? <laughs> Yeah, yeah, but I'm gonna talk to Coach. Well, no, that's fine. That's fair. You're right though, because I've I've said some <laughs> of the same things to her, and then somebody else says to it. And okay, like, okay, well then, as <laughs> someone who comes at it from the exact same angle, it still slips in. They're just not gonna let you know right away. Right. So you're doing a great job. Oh yeah, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> it will still that voice will be in their head for the rest of their lives, and at least they have a good one. So thank you. Yeah, no, thank you so much for having me. Yeah. Thank, yeah. You, thank really you. Cool. Thank, thank you. you for coming on. It yeah. was awesome. You're, you're one cool dude. <laughs> yes. If, uh, if anybody like goes to the website, I've got like a free download that's like oh. uh, a daily focus roadmap, like seven oh. ways to like win the day. Literally, so, those yeah. are my favorite. Thank you. Oh yeah, yeah I love I, I love a good activity to think about during the day. So nice. I'm gonna I'm gonna look into that. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> All right, thanks, brother. <laughs>